0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. It's a great day to be in church, isn't it? Are you sure? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, especially for those of you who are our guests, and this is your first time here. Let me introduce myself. My name is Ron. I'm the lead pastor at New Life, and... uh, we are delighted that you are here. You are our guest this morning. And uh, since this is your first time here, uh, here's a couple of things. Number one, we, uh, we want you to make yourself at home. We want you to know that you are among friends, even if you don't know any of us yet. Uh, and we want to invite you to hang around after church and get to know a few of us. Hopefully you got to meet some people uh, during that short break that you didn't know before. Uh, We have a great time meeting with God, and that's what church is really about, and so we have come to meet with Him this morning. We've taken a few minutes to express our gratitude to Him in song, to bless Him, and this is the portion of our service where we are taught, out of the Bible, His Word, and uh, so we want to invite you along on that process as well, because uh, church is far beyond being self-help. We're not just here to hear... Uh, a a positive mental attitude sort of message, although many of the things that God says to us are certainly very inspirational and and are positive in their nature. But we are here actually to have God work in our hearts, and uh, so we want to invite you along on that as well. On the inside of your program, you will find a thing called message notes. I want to encourage you to take that out right now and uh, Use the pencil either in the chair in front of you or in the chair where you're sitting. And uh, fill that out as we walk along because that will, um, that will help you learn and it certainly will give you something you can read back through later on in the week. And um, this is the last in a series of messages that uh, centers itself around two things. Uh, first of all, it's th- this series centers itself around the five core needs of our human spirit. And it also centers itself around the promises that God gives us to meet those five core needs. And by the time we're done with the message this morning, uh, over the last five weeks, we will have looked at 15 different promises that God gives, uh, three on each one of those. So let's take a look. I want I want to read a passage of Scripture to you uh, from the life of Jesus, because Uh, This is what he said the purpose of his life was. He said, I have come, I came, so that they can have real and eternal life. And the two operative words there would be real and eternal. So if you're going to circle or underline something, I would circle and underline the words real and eternal. Anybody can just exist. The world is filled with people who are just existing. But Christ came that we might have real life, not just sort of life, real life and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I was listening to an interview yesterday morning with a fellow by the name of Jason McCourty. He plays for the Tennessee Titans, and he has a twin brother, Devin. And Devin just um, just got selected in the draft by the New England Patriots. And the interviewer was asking Jason who has already played a year in the NFL, he was asking, Jason, do you have any advice for your brother who's just coming into the NFL? I want you to hear what his advice was. He said, yeah. I told him, do everything the coach says because trust me, it's for your good. Now, you tell me, everything the coach asks him to do, is that going to be something he wants to do? What do you think? Probably not. But will it be good for him? Yes. Will it be best for his career? Yes. Now I want you to know that not everything that Christ asks you to do or me to do, are we going to stand up and go, by golly, I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. In fact, there are going to be several things that he asks us to do that are going to require great discipline on our part. But it's important for you and for me to know that if we listen to Christ, it's best for us and best for our life, because that's why he came. Everything that he asks us to do is for our good, not for his good. Jesus is God. He doesn't need anything. It's for our good. It's for the good of our wife, our kids, our grandkids, our neighbors, people around us. It's so that we might learn how to live and get the most and the best out of life. And so in this series, we've looked at these five core needs. And first of all, we've talked about this core need to have a sense of worth. And, and God gives us great promises about our worth to help us deal with the natural feelings of inferiority that all of us struggle with from time to time. And God gives us wonderful promises about this sense of belonging. That, that we have this wonderful eternal family that we were designed to belong to. And, and, and we have this great second family called the church that we were designed to belong to. And that's to help us deal with our feelings of insecurity and loneliness. And then he gives us a sense of purpose so that we can, ha- we can deal with the feelings of insignificance, so that we know our lives. It's amazing that God would use us on this temporary earth, on this very short lifespan that you and I have, to do eternal things through us, um, so that we know that when our life is done, God has done eternal things through us. And, and that's huge. And then God's given us a sense of competence, we talked about last week, to deal with that sense of inadequacy that we all face as we go through the various stages of life. This morning, we're going to talk about a sense of destiny to help us deal with the feelings of mortality. And for those of you who might not know what mortality means, it means you're going to die. Okay? Sorry, it's a little blunt, but that's basically what it means. And I can tell you that the older I get, the more aware I am of that. Yeah. That's just the the nature of things. And and sooner or later, we all have this sense of, oh my goodness, someday it's going to wind down for me. Someday, my life as I know it is going to end. Wow. And yet, there's something deep inside of us that says, got to be more than that. And there certainly is. And God gives us a great sense of destiny to help us deal with those feelings of mortality. So let me give you some backdrop principles that uh, come straight out of Scripture. And so here's the first one. A sense of destiny empowers us to deal with the unpleasant realities of the present. Everyone sitting here in the audience, no matter who you are, at some point in your life, even right now, you have at least one or two unpleasant realities that you're having to learn how to deal with. And some of you have a lot more than that. Yeah. I was watching the World Cup recently, and I'm referring particularly to the game where the United States played Slovenia. And if you watch that World Cup game, you know that the United States had to win that match in order to advance to the round of 16. And if you watch that match, you know that the United States gave up a goal very early on. And and you know that as the game went on, you also know that the United States had a goal that was unfairly disallowed. Now, I'm sitting in my living room and I'm watching this game with my family, and we're all big USA fans, and we're like, oh, you know and, and, and it would be very fair for me to say that there were points in there where there was a very high level of frustration. And there were po- I mean, there were numbers, numerous times when the United States had wide open net and they missed and they missed and they missed, and the anxiety was going up, and all 90 minutes of the soccer game had passed, and we were into stoppage time, right? And if we don't get a goal, we're going home. And sure enough, about a minute into stoppage time, Landon Donovan knocks home a rebound, and we win. And everybody's cheering and yelling. Now, what I didn't tell my family was that somebody had accidentally leaked to me prior to the game the outcome. So on the inside, I was calm. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? When you have a sense of destiny, you know, everybody's like, oh, that goal should have been, I, we got ripped, we got robbed. I, uh, uh. When you have a sense of destiny, it enables you to deal with the unpleasant realities of the present. Now, if you, can, if you and I could remember that, when we're on the brink of disaster and we're losing our home or we're losing our job or we're dealing with some major health issue in the present, if we could just have that sense of destiny that this is just life, right? Because I have eternal life coming. I know how it ends. I know where I'm going. I know where my family's going. Boy, I'll tell you what, it just helps everything just get in perspective. And I can deal with the unpleasant realities of today. Secondly, the thing we should know about a sense of destiny is it guides us in making right choices in the present. Back around the turn of the century, and I'm not talking about from the the 1900s to 2000, back around the turn of the century, from the 1800s to the 1900s. There was a very famous lady in the United States called the Witch of Wall Street. Her name was Henrietta Green, not so affectionately known as Hetty Green, the Witch of Wall Street. Her father was a shipping magnate, and on his deathbed, he imparted to his daughter a wrong sense of destiny. He said to her, Hetty, they have poisoned me, and they will poison you. I'm passing on my fortune to you. And she inherited $6 million back in the late 1800s. If you know anything about the standard of money back in those days, that was a lot of money. Now, you fast forward a few decades, and when Hetty Green died, her fortune was about $2 billion. Dollars, Easily the wealthiest woman in the United States or in the world. But she was a mess. She sued virtually everyone in her family. She leveraged every business relationship that she possibly could, which is why she was called the Witch of Wall Street. She made huge fortunes on people who were desperate, she had no friends. She continually moved from one apartment to another so that the IRS could not find her because she didn't want to pay taxes. She suffered from a very bad hernia but refused to have an operation because it cost 150 bucks in those days. She died alone in an unheated apartment. And it was many days before she was found because no one was really looking for her. She never trusted anybody. I want you to think for a minute what might have happened to her if instead of having this legacy and destiny of fear and and this sense of phobia and paranoia, if her father had passed on to her a destiny of goodness and grace. You know, when you have a proper sense of destiny given to you by God, it enables you to make right choices in the present. And if you don't have that, you end up making whatever choices you think might work out based upon what you think might be true. Now, it's no surprise then because the sense of destiny is so important to us that God addresses it directly in His Word. So we're going to take a look at that, but I want to give you a one-word summary for what God says about our destiny, and that's backdrop principle number three. Here it is. Our destiny is summed up in one word, and what is it? Salvation. Now, here's what I want you to know. The human spirit that you have and the human spirit that I have was actually designed to live in connection with God. It is our deepest... um, And and most substantial longing that that resides in our heart, our soul, and our spirit. And when we are separated from God or when we are disconnected or unconnected from God, we have this, this tremendous sense of... I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I'm insecure. I I don't know what the future holds and so forth. But when we start to get connected with God, something really great happens on the inside of us and we begin to feel our lives settle and be where they should be because we're finally where we should be all along. It's why when you come to church, you feel better. Because you've been taken to a place where you get connected with God. And that's where you belong. It's where your spirit belongs. But the whole concept of salvation or this connection with God that eventually gives birth to eternal life where we live with God forever, that was not an easy process for God. And it's not an easy process for you and me. It's not expensive, but it's not easy. So we're going to talk about that this morning, because your destiny and my destiny, if we're ever going to live it out and and reach the fulfillment of what God has destined us for, then we're going to have to understand salvation. And we're going to have to understand that salvation actually has three different levels or dimensions to it. And it's going to be important for us to understand all three and to participate in all three. And so this morning... I'm going to give you a parable, just like Jesus taught in parables. I'm going to give you a parable, in, in if I can be excused for a bad pun, the sermon is going to go straight to the dogs, okay? Because we're going to talk about a dog's life and what we can learn from that. So here's promise number one. Take a look. Promise number one, God says, I will qualify you for life with me. Now, the biblical word for this is the word pardon. And I want you to understand that the word pardon, there's, there's a big difference between someone standing on trial and being declared not guilty and someone being pardoned. You understand the difference? In order to be pardoned, you have to be guilty and convicted of a crime and then someone who has the ability to write out a pardon for you has to decide that you are worth pardoning and they have to officially pardon you from what you've done. Salvation begins when you and I are pardoned by God. We are guilty as charged of sin. And unless we are pardoned and forgiven of that, there's no way we can live with God. Now, let, let me illustrate it. Let's suppose that you are a great dog lover, okay? In order to get the full, you know, flow of this message, even if you're not a dog lover, you've got to jump in those shoes for a while, all right? So you're a great dog lover. You're out on a nature hike and you're having a great time and you hear a whimper over in the bushes and you look over in the bushes and there is obviously a dog that's from a wild dog pack but it is somewhat injured. It has been abandoned by the pack, and it's weak. Well, you're a dog lover. You know what to do, right? And you decide, I'm going to rescue that dog. So you pick up the dog, and you take the dog home. Now, it's from a wild dog pack, so what does its fur look like? It's matted. It's mangy. It's got fleas. It's just a mess. It's dirty. That dog's never been given a bath in its entire life. The closest thing it's had to a bath was, you know, a jump in the creek and then land in the mud. You take that dog home, what's the first thing you do with that dog? Yeah. You know why? Because you say, you hear yourself saying to yourself, No dog that lives in my house is going to look like this, right? Yeah. Friends, you realize that's exactly what God does with us. There we are, messed up with life, just a mess in every way. And if we had fur, it'd be all matted and mangy and and there'd be fleas. And and God looks at us and we're weak and we're just not doing well in life. And God says, I am going to rescue you. Now friends, you and I are not gods, right? We're what? Human beings. Is there a slight gap between God and humans? Maybe a bigger gap than between humans and dogs. What do you think? Yeah. But you know what? God knows that our spirit was designed to live in connection with Him. And you know what every dog lover knows? That there's something inside that dog that if it can connect with a human spirit, the dog will be happy and secure. Same thing, just to level up. And so God has to do something about the mess that we are in. You know what the Bible says? He, God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Wow. Who purchased our freedom and what? Washed us, right? Forgave us our sins. Why? We are now, God is qualifying us to live with Him. And we got to be cleaned up or we can't live in His house. We're not qualified to live in his house. No human being that lives and acts and looks like we are can live in God's house. His house is not not made for that sort of thing. And so the first step in salvation is to be pardoned so that we can be qualified to live with God. And so the promise applied, this is salvation begun. And many of us in the audience this morning can look back to a time in our life where we made that initial decision that I am going to allow God to rescue me. I'm going to walk with God from this day forward. I am going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to go to Him and ask Him to forgive my sins. And you know something? God's going to clean me up. And many of us can remember the day that we were baptized and, 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 and our sort of symbolizing that spiritual bath that God was giving us and cleaning us up. And qualifying us to live with Him. So that's step number one. But you know it doesn't end there. There's a second part of salvation. And friends, if we never get beyond step one, my goodness, we will never have the kind of life that God intended for us to have. Because step number two is built on step number one. Let's take a look at promise number two. Promise number two is I will not only qualify you to live with me, I will prepare you to live with me and this is a process the first was a pardon this is a process let's go back to the dog all right now that we have washed this dog up and we've gotten all the the hair we've combed out the hair and everything this looks like a real dog is that dog now does it know how to live in our house are you kidding we have to teach it to pee and poop where out there right It doesn't know when to bark, when not to bark. It doesn't know, you know, if it's going to live in our house and it's going to be a peaceful arrangement, it has to learn how to sleep when we sleep. It has to learn how to get up when we get up. It has to learn the sort of the family routine. It has to learn what it can do in the house, what it can't do in the house. It has to learn whether it's going to be a lap dog and you're going to allow it to jump up on your lap or whether, no, 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 you're going to be a floor dog. You know, you have to teach it all of those things because though it is qualified now because it's all clean, it's not actually prepared to live in your house. That, my friends, is an ongoing process. And by the way, in order for it to happen, well, let's read this verse of Scripture because it lays it out pretty clearly. Here it is. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. Then it goes on to say, this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now back to the parable of the dog. There are two things that have to happen for that dog and for you to eventually live harmoniously in the same house. Number 1, the dog has to yield to you. Because if the dog runs the house, what happens? It's not happy, not a happy sight, right? So the dog has to yield to you. But secondly, what do you have to do? You have to train the dog. And friends, have you ever been in a house where the owners did not train the dog? I have been. Happy place? No. Not a happy place? Not a happy dog? Not a happy owner. And now, let's go back to this passage and take a look. What's the first thing that God says? I plead with you, give Your bodies to whom? To God. That's the yielding part. Now, if you bring this dog into your home and you try and try and try to train it, but that dog is so wild, it will not receive any training from you. It will not cooperate. You've been working at it for months. It won't come when you call it. It pees wherever it wants to pee. Poops wherever it wants to poop. At some point, that relationship is going to end. Because you realize... We're not made to live together. This dog is made to live in the wild. It's going back out in the wild. I've done all I can. I've nursed it back to health. Out it goes. Because there has to be a yielding there. And by the way, friends, when you and I come to Christ, if we think, oh, I'm just coming for a bath. Jesus is going to clean me up and then I'll do whatever I want to do. Friends, that's not how salvation works. Now, it takes more than being cleaned there's a whole process of learning how to live with God. and he takes us through that process. If you want to write this down on your margin, there's a, there's a Bible word for that. It's called sanctification. That's what sanctification is. It's learning how to live with God, in God's house, with God's people. It's where we learn how to behave. Now, when we do that, what happens? Oh, you know what You know what God is saying? If you take your cues for behavior from me and not from the old pack, the world where you used to live, that's why it says don't conform any longer to the standards of this world. Don't get your cues from the old pack where you used to live. Where do you get your cues now? Get your cues from your new house, from your new, from your new owners, from the people who are taking care of you. Why? Because you're going to have to be transformed from the mindset of a wild dog to the mindset of a family dog. It's a whole new environment, which is why it says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And this is, my friends, is why we come to church every Sunday, because when we are here this morning, we are asking God to transform us into new people so that we have a new way of thinking it's why we go to life group every week because as we meet with other Christian friends we are saying God I'm here I'm here to meet with you would you show me what's next in this transformation process as I learn how to live with you and how to live in your house with your people in your family because I'm looking forward to that day when I get to live with you forever so it starts with a pardon but it continues with the process and this promise applied is this salvation not only begun but experienced and those of you who have been christians for years assuming you've been involved in this process i know some people who have been christians for 30 years but they kind of only have one year experience repeated 30 times that's not what i'm talking about okay But if you've been in this wonderful experience with God and you've been walking with God for 30 years and you're continually opening your heart and saying, God, show me more. Show me what the next step is. I'm ready to take the next step with you. I want, to, I want to learn how to do more in your kingdom. I want to learn how to be a better husband. I want to learn how to be a better wife. I want to learn how to be a better neighbor to my neighbors. And God, show me what in my life needs to be changed. Well, if you've got that mindset and you've been sub- yielding yourself to God like that and God's been training you for 30 years, well, He's making you into a beautiful and wonderful person that you just bless everybody you're around Why? Because you're no longer wild. Now you're refined. Now people love to be around you because you have that wonderful connection with God. Principle number three. Promise number three is this. God says, I will bring you to my eternal home. Now before we get into promise number three, We're going to take a little break, and not really a break. We're going to move into communion. And the reason we're going to move into communion is because promise number one and promise number two speak directly to communion. You know, I said earlier in this message that the concept of salvation is not an expensive concept. It doesn't cost you, and it doesn't cost me anything. God's offer of salvation is free. God says, I love you, all you have to do is accept me, come and walk in relationship with me, and that's it. Let me change you. But friends, don't ever for a minute think that salvation didn't cost anything. Because from God's standpoint, it's a very expensive thing. I want you to think about that dog. When the person decides to rescue it and bring it home, does that cost the dog anything? No, the dog has nothing to offer. But does it cost the owner anything? If you've ever owned a dog, yes, it costs you a lot. By the time you go get the shots and get the license and you get the leash, and you get the food. I read, I, I read somewhere maybe a year ago that the average dog owner in the lifetime of that dog spends somewhere between ten and $15,000 on a that dog. That's an expensive Proposition for the owner. And for our heavenly father who rescued us, it cost him the life of his son. Jesus partook of death so that you and I could live. In this church and in every church around the world, we don't want to ever forget that. So we're going to be passing trays through the audience. And on the trays are two very common symbols. One is pieces of bread, the other is cups of juice. Jesus said, I want the bread to represent my body, which was broken for you. And if you know anything about the day that Jesus was crucified, his body was broken. brutally broken. He said, I want the juice to represent my blood. And if you know anything about the crucifixion of Jesus, when his body was broken, his blood flowed out for you and me. That was the cost. So we're as the trays are passed, if you want to honor Christ with all the rest of us, take a piece of the bread, take a cup of juice, pass the tray to your neighbor, say a prayer to God, a prayer of thanksgiving for the price that he paid so that you and I could be rescued, so that we could be bathed and cleaned up, so that we could be properly trained and learn how to live with him and with others. If you're not in a place where you're ready to do that, that's okay. Just pass the tray to your neighbor, but say a short prayer to God and bless Him for the work He's already done for you, even though you might not be ready to receive it yet. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You, thank You, thank You that You have rescued us, that You found us when we were whimpering in the bushes, wounded, lonely, abandoned, suffering. You picked us up. You took us home. You bathed us. You combed out. A fur. You prepared us to live with you. You qualified us to live with you. And now you're preparing us. You're training us. Lord, we, we never want to forget that though it costs us nothing, it costs you everything. So in your honor, And that with hearts that are deeply grateful, we partake of communion this morning. We pray in your own name. Amen. Wow, what a great prayer. What a great prayer. Promise number three. Here it is. I will take you to my eternal home. Jesus said it like this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Back to the parable. We're all cleaned up. We've been submitting to, the, to our Master's training Wonderful connection between God and us. We love to be with Him. He loves to be with us. We're learning from Him daily. We're having a great time. We love where we are. And then God breaks the news to us. Oh, by the way, this is just my vacation condo. I have a real house. It's way bigger than this. And you know how you're always on a leash here and I take you for walks and so forth. Wait till I get you to my real house. There's acres to explore. You will love. Wow. That's our destiny, friends. It starts with a pardon, continues with a process, and where does it end? It ends in paradise. That's how good our God is. He doesn't just rescue us, wash us up a little bit, and then just sort of abandon us to our own devices. He comes. He washes us up. He trains us. He prepares us. He, he connects with us. He provides this wonderful place for us in this life. And then he says, wait, do you see the real thing? That I've prepared for you. And friends, that is salvation experienced. I want to give it to you straight from God's Word. Take a look at our closing thought. It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what? What God has prepared for those who love Him. Oh, if we could just live in that destiny. Then we could deal with our mortality. For we realize that it's just temporary. As we close... Very clear action steps for all of us here. First, for those of us just been hanging around church, maybe maybe our husband is a Christian and we haven't made that decision yet, but we keep coming to church with him. Or maybe our wife's a Christian, and, but we haven't made that decision. We keep coming to church with him. We keep hanging around church and we think that somehow, if I hang around the church, I'm automatically part of the family. Friends, that's not how it works. Now you have to make a decision to walk with God. And He gives you that opportunity this morning for you to say, okay, I'm ready now to come and live in God's house. I want Him to be my Lord, my Savior. That's salvation begun. If you want to make that decision on the welcome card, on on that uh, communication card that you have there, there's a place to say, I want to come into a relationship with God. I want to encourage you to mark that We'll get in touch with you this week and we'll assist you in making that decision so salvation can begin to take place in your life. For those of us who made that decision some time back and we look at our lives, you know the amazing thing is it's, it's, it's easy to sort of revert to the pack style, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there's the next step, whatever that next step is. I prayed for myself, even during communion. I was praying, God, show me what the next step is in my life in learning how to live in your house because as long as I live I want to learn I want to grow I want to develop so I want to challenge you with that I'm going to pray and I'm going to give you space and time and it it could be that God is stirring something in your heart he's stirring you to say today I make that decision or today I get involved in a life group or today I join a ministry or today Uh, I return to a commitment I made to God. Maybe you made a commitment to support some great cause. It might be new life. It might be some other cause of God around the world. But somehow you've just sort of wandered away from that cause. and, 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 And you're no longer fulfilling that commitment that you made to God. And God is saying, no, no, I'm calling you back to that. Because I was moving in your life at that time. And I want to bring you back to that space. Or it could be some habit you've let grow in your life that you know doesn't bless and honor God. And it certainly doesn't bless anybody around you. I want to give you space while I pray. Lord Jesus, we've come to meet with you this morning, and now you're meeting with us. You're stirring in our hearts things that you're calling us to. Lord, for those of us who've been hanging around, and this is the morning where we say, today I officially choose to be rescued by Jesus. Would you give us courage to make that decision? For those of us, Father, who who are already in your house but we've got something we've let develop in our life or you're calling us to a ministry or to a life group or to return to some commitment we've made to you. Maybe it's to return to regularly feeding ourselves from your word every day. Whatever it is, Lord, stir it in us and give us courage to act on it so that we might not only be pardoned, but be in the process so that we can be ready for paradise whenever that comes. We bless and thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.